Please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, our text is chapter 11 verse 1 through chapter 12 verse 8. We are nearing the end of the book. We are coming to the the final section of the book, a book that has been very beneficial, I, I hope, for you as it has for me. A book that is, has so much wisdom in it, uh, practical wisdom. Uh, there are many things that Solomon covers, and, and within this one book you have really the entirety of life that is, that is, spoken, uh, it is spoken of in various areas of life, in various instances of life, many situations that you find in life. It's covered so much. And as he nears the end of the book... He begins to really sum up a lot of things. There are some recurring statements that he makes or, or some allusions to things that he said earlier as far as uh, the certainty of death, for example, or the life that we are to live before God. There's the emphasis there to uh, place our minds back upon the Lord, even with all the uncertainties that are in life. There are many things that we cannot know as our uh, knowledge is limited. And actually you'll find Solomon saying that very thing within our passage today. There are things that we just don't know. But even in light of the things that we don't know, this is what we must do. This is what we should do. These are the, the summaries, uh, the concluding thoughts that Solomon is bringing to us that he had brought to his readers. Again, covering so many different aspects of life, He really touches at the very end of life in our passage tonight. Uh, Sometimes we think of um, the end of our lives and and what our life is going to be like as we begin to get there. What kind of state are we going to be in? Uh, How are things going to go? But he brings all that to light in a general sense. But the emphasis is in light of this. Remember the Lord. Work hard and enjoy your life. That's really what he's summing it up to. And as we go over this passage tonight, I pray that that would be exactly what what we seek to do ourselves. In light of our coming death that we know is going to happen, we don't know when. It's uncertain as to when it's going to happen. It's certain it will happen. But in the meantime, live your life to the fullest in the sense of not doing anything, everything that you want to do, but doing the things that you are privileged to do in Christ. To enjoy Him. To enjoy the time that you have now. To enjoy this life that He has given uh, before He calls us home. So if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We will begin in chapter 11, verse 1, reading down to chapter 12, verse 8. This is God's holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, infallible words. Let us give our attention to the Holy Scripture. God's Word says, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning verse 1. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening, evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. 
and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body, because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop, and grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the capperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once more for the privilege we have of gathering together to delight in you, to delight in your word, to learn, to grow. Father, we ask that the Spirit of God who inspired this text would apply it to our hearts, that he would give us understanding, Father, producing us a greater commitment to you and a greater resolve to enjoy the life that you have given. Let us not walk about in despair or uh, sorrow, but let us delight in this life that you have blessed us with. Father, we pray that Christ would be magnified in our hearts and the Spirit of God do a mighty work within us as we work our way through this passage. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children said, Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> within this passage, there are really three sections. And the first being verses 1 through 6, the second, 7 through 10, and the third, chapter 12, 1 to 8. And though we would normally take them as they have come, as other commentators have, and for good reason, I think they are correct in presenting it this way, that we are going to start with the third section and then return to the first and the second because if we begin with chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and we really have this as the foundation in light of this, then this is how we ought to live. It does give a, a very full meaning uh, to what Solomon is calling his readers to. Instead of ending on that note, let us begin with it. So when you have there, what you have there in chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, are a series of, of various sayings. But it all seems to point <clears throat> to this reality of growing old. Because he begins with, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. And then as he ends that section, he says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was in the spirit returned to God who gave it. And so what is contained in the middle is speaking of the growing old part. Seeing the final day and then enduring the final day. The final day of your life. It is very interesting too that the kind of language that Solomon uses in this as he begins is very similar to some of the judgment passages as it describes the last day. And Solomon is using... A uh, very similar imagery there. That it's it, the day of our death is described in, in a language like the end of all things. Before death strikes like a cosmic thunderstorm, 
Remember this. This is what he's getting at. Before this happens, remember this. So what are some of the things that he is speaking of here? This is a description of death, of old age, of your life coming to an end. Perhaps the, the state in which you will find yourself before the end comes. So he says, before these days come, the evil days, and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, which is speaking of imagery that we find within Isaiah, we find it in Joel, we find it in Ezekiel, we find Jesus talking about it in, in Matthew chapter 24, speaking of the end of all things. Before these days, and the clouds return after the rain. Now, listen, listen to the descriptions that he's giving here. Because he's talking about how the body wears out. It is one thing looking at it on the surface and then trying to read to understand if he's speaking of the end of our lives and he's speaking of our death and the in-between time. What is he talking about? What kinds of things is he describing here? And I, and I think many of these commentators are correct in what they are bringing about because this is not just... Um, one particular commentator or, or others, this is, this is a number of solid theologians who are bringing this meaning out of the things that he is saying here. Speaking of our bodies growing uh, frail. Uh, one writer actually says this. This was actually Jerome who said this. He said, this is not an allegory of the deterioration of the church before Reformation, but rather the decline of an old man... Before death. Jerome said that back in fourth, fifth century. This is a consistent understanding of this passage uh, throughout church history about the body wearing out, our bodies growing frail. Listen to some of these descriptions. Remember the Lord before this day comes, in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. Mighty men stoop, and grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. Now looking at some of these statements that Solomon is making, the preacher of the days of old, some of the things that occur as we grow old, uh, as we have loved ones perhaps who are in this same state, that the hands that worked and labored are now the hands that are shake, shaking, the hands that tremble. Whereas our bodies were standing upright and we, were, we had our strength, and now even the mighty men stoop over. The grinding ones stand idle. Interestingly, and I had to look at this one a couple of times because it was, it was very surprising to me in one sense as to what perhaps this is actually meaning. That the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through the windows grow dim. Not only do our hands tremble now and our bodies are bent over, our teeth are gone. The grinding ones, they're few. Our vision is affected. Those who look through windows grow dim. Our vision is affected. Our hearing is affected. And the doors on the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding mill is low. Sometimes we can't hear anything growing old. And one will arise at the sound of a bird. Sometimes they work well. All the daughters of song will sing softly as the voice is affected also. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Our hands are shaking, our bodies are bent over, teeth are gone, vision is affected, hearing is affected, our voice is affected, we lose mobility, our fear increases. 
or very increases of going places, of being in certain places, whereas before they didn't. What has changed? Men are afraid of the high place and of terrors on the road. As we get older and we get closer to the day of death, perhaps fear does increase. We are afraid of things that did not affect us before. The almond tree blossoms. The hair gets gray. I was looking at mine the other day. I thought, wow. It is getting gray. The grasshopper drags himself along as mobility is affected. You know, these, are, these are things that when you're looking at all this is uh, what was the people that, that, that stood in their strength and they worked with their hands and they did all kinds of things when they, were, when they were young and they had the ability to do it. And now as they are getting older and they're getting closer to the day of death, the body's wearing out. Again, the hands that, that told and worked are affected, our vision is affected, the hearing, the, the voice, the mobility, the fear is increased. Our bodies are wearing out. Until the day of death comes. And when the day of death comes, for a man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. The people who are left mourning their loved ones. Remember him. Again, a call to what he said in the earlier part of chapter 12. Remember also your creator. He says, remember him before the silver cord is broken. The golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. What was good and life-giving, what was beautiful, is now broken and shattered. Remember him. Before these things happen, and the end is, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. It's a breath. Life itself is just a breath. It is, it is gone so quickly. It comes and it goes. We sing Psalm 62, and we haven't actually sung Psalm 62 in a while. But some of the lyrics to Psalm 62 is, Though life is but a fleeting breath, a sigh too brief to measure, is what we sing. Why? Because it is. It's like the morning dew. It's here. It's gone. Uh, Many other... uh, Writers of Scripture describe life in that kind of a way, just as we opened up with that particular psalm. Before life is gone, before your days are ended, before your life gets to this point, the call then is, remember. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth while you're able to. It's not just talking about children or it's not just talking about teenagers, but while you're still alive, while you're still in in good strength. While you're still able to enjoy it, remember your Creator. This is the exhortation in light of the end. In view of what's coming, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Why? How do we do that? What is, what is it to enjoy or to remember Him? But it is to enjoy the things that God has given, which then takes us back to the first two sections to really have an understanding of what that is in light of the end. We have seen loved ones who, who have endured this kind of a life in the end. And maybe sometimes we even take it for granted that we're still able at the moment. But do we ever think to ourselves, I need to enjoy the time that God has given me because if I do live to be uh, very old, that perhaps I will be in that particular state and then unable to do the things that I take for granted now. And we should think that. 
We cannot think that we're going to keep our strength for all the days of our life if we grow older. There are some, of course, that are able to be in better shape than others. We were actually watching this movie the other day. It's an older movie back in the 90s. I'm sure you'll recognize it. It's A League of Their Own. And at the end of the movie, it has the women who played baseball, the real baseball from 1945 to 1958, I think. And here they are in the 90s, and they're playing a game of baseball. And they are cracking the ball. They are running with all their might. I mean, they are in good shape. I will give them that. But then we see others that perhaps are not in that kind of shape as they get older. So here it comes then. In light of the end, in light of what we know is coming, whether it is the day of our death, early in life, we know we could die at any particular point, or if we live to be much older, in light of perhaps the state that we would find ourselves in. What does he say as far as what kind of a life to live? How do you live in view of that? Well, you go back to exactly what he said. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember him before the silver cord is broken. Before the life that you've been given is broken. Remember him. And so we go back to the first section then. Which really you could sum it up with work hard while you can. He says, cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. And notice there is a number of different things that he says there. You just don't know as you work your way through chapter 11. You don't know. Now, as far as what exactly that means, that's a very interesting statement that he makes of cast your bread upon the waters. Um, some say that perhaps it's maybe a summons to engage in maritime trade. Some have said that. An urging to pursue a multiplicity of business ventures. An encouragement to be uh, generous to the poor. I think if we just look at it in light of everything that Solomon has said thus far in the book, in light of everything together, that really, in light of your death, remember the Lord. And this is an image of commitment. One writer says this, Many commentators see the bread image as representative of ancient sea trade, for example, to sail a few ships from Palestine to Italy and back was a perilous but profitable enterprise. If one of three ships made it to port, sold its cargo, and received more goods to travel back and trade, the whole, the whole venture was worth it. The profit was enormous. The point of Ecclesiastes 11.1 then is nothing ventured, nothing gained, to borrow a traditional investment slogan. While you have the time... Cast your bread upon the surface of the water. Live. Work hard. What God has uh, given you to do, the means that he has provided you in your life, do it, as, do it with all your might. Be committed to it, because in being committed to what God has provided you as far as a means that you may care for your family or care for yourself, is a commitment to him, recognizing that it came from him. He provided it. He's given it. It is a blessing of God. And this is something that we, we need to really understand because we can be some of the most miserable people when it comes to our jobs. When it comes to work. All the time. Complaining. But do we ever just think, Lord, you've, you've provided this for me. This is a blessing from you because I'm able to make a living. I'm able to take care of people I love. I put in my hours that, that I am required to put in. And then I get to sit back and enjoy the work of my hands. Is there stress in it? Yeah, there's always stress. 
I was actually thinking this morning, because we have a, one of our guys that is out of town, and he's going to be out of town for probably three weeks or so, and, and so he and I were the ones who, in the mornings when we get to the job, or when we get to work, uh, we have our, our crews that are out already on the job. We have four or five uh, dump trucks there at our shop, and so he and I, getting whatever other guys that we can, we get the dump trucks out to the jobs. A lot of times if we pick up the dump truck late the day before, you have to go to the dump and you got to dump it and it takes time to get over there. And so every day this week I'm driving to the dump in this dump truck. And this morning I'm about to pull into the dump and I'm thinking, you know, this would seem to be very monotonous every day. Driving this dump truck to the dump, dump it, and then taking it wherever I have to go. But thinking of some of the things that Solomon has been teaching us, I was thinking this morning, it's, it's a job. I have a job. And I get paid salary. So it doesn't matter if I'm in a dump truck or I'm out doing estimates or I'm coordinating the jobs or I'm ordering materials or I'm putting out fires, whatever it is, This is what God has blessed me with. And this is my job. And I can learn to view it in a different way because I enjoy the people that I'm with. I enjoy seeing the the end result of how everything is done. I enjoy meeting new people. This is a job that you've blessed me with. So help me to be appreciative of it. Allow me to enjoy it while I can. Because I, I want to. I, I want to be able to uh, enjoy the, the, the job that I have, enjoy the work of my hands while I can. And as God has blessed me, as God has blessed you, then what is it that you do? Recognizing that your job, it, it's, it's a blessing from God. As God blesses you, what then do you do? Well, what we are privileged to do then is to bless others. Divide your portion to seven or even eight. If you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth, some commentators look at that and say, well, start your business. Whatever it is that you seek to put your hands to, bring others in. Be able to help them to make a living as well, being generous to bring them in. Very similar, because you are taking the things that you are doing, whether you're starting a new business, whatever, and you're being able to bless others as a result of that. So either way you go, it's the same same scenario. As God has blessed you, then you bless others. That was one thing that John Piper had said in one of the one of the lectures that I had listened to, it's been a number of years back, but he was talking about regardless of how much that he has or how much that he doesn't have, as God has blessed him, he is privileged then to be able to bless others. As God gives to me, I want to give. You know, Jesus um, has a number of passages in which he rebukes the, the whole idea of hoarding up. You know, the man who... Uh, sold everything, and he built bigger barns and, and all of this. And what does he say? You're, you fool. Your soul's going to be required of you tonight. He, he hoarded up everything. In Luke chapter 12, he talks about uh, being rich towards God. How do you be rich towards God? God has everything. As God has blessed you, you're blessing others. You're being generous with what God has given. Recognizing that it has come from God. It is a blessing from God. It has come from God. It's all His, and He has privileged us uh, with being able to enjoy it. So that's, uh, that's something to really take, in, take to heart. Do you enjoy what you do? If you don't, are we looking at it in the wrong way? Are we seeing this is more of a burden than as a blessing. Some jobs are very hard. 
you know, one of the crew leaders, uh, putting on a roof is hard work. It's very hard. It's very hot, especially during the summers. I only have to get up on a roof to measure it. And I'm sweating when I get off of the roof because of all the heat coming up from the shingles. These guys are working out there all day. And yet the one crew leader, I don't think I've ever seen that man without a smile on his face. That's the honest truth. I'm not exaggerating. He always has a smile on his face because he enjoys what he does. The other guys, they turn on their music. They get going. It's hard. It's laborious. It is continual all day long. It's not a job in which you have to go out and do something and then you get to rest. You go out and do something and then you get to rest. This is a job that is continuous throughout the day. They take a break at lunch. And yet they enjoy what they do. Because they're able to make a living. They get to work with each other. Um, people that they enjoy. Sometimes, even though the work may be hard, perhaps it's the manner in which we're viewing it. How are we looking at it? Again, as a burden? Or is this a blessing from God that he's allowed me this? So before the end comes, when you're not able to do this kind of work, when you're not able to enjoy the work of your hands, instead of looking at it as a burden and constantly complaining about it, and seeing all the bad in it, what good things are there? And then can you look at it and say, you're providing me an opportunity to make money and to make a living. Thank you. It's not too difficult, is it? To look to the Lord and just say, thank you. So in light of the end, you remember your creator, you remember him before the life is over, and you do so by enjoying him, by enjoying not only the work that he has provided you, not only understanding that it is indeed a blessing, but you're enjoying everything, everything that he has done. And you're doing so, and it's, it's evident that you are enjoying it because you're not being lazy with it. Listen to this. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, and whether a tree falls toward the, uh, the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. This is the kind of scenario is, well, I need to go out and maybe plant my garden. I need to go out and tend to my, my, my uh, stuff on, on my farm, but I'm going to sit on my couch and I'm going to watch the weather channel. And if the conditions don't look good, I'm not going outside. I'm not doing anything. Everything looks bad. Weather's bad. Nothing good here. So he's, he's giving this understanding of the activity of God. You don't know what's going to happen. And Lord knows anyone who ever looks at the weather understands very quickly how it can change. It calls for rain tomorrow. You may get to tomorrow and no rain. In, in roofing, we look at the weather a lot. And there's a number of times where you don't plan something and then you're scrounging the next morning to plan something because, oh, ends up being a nice day. We don't know the activity of God who makes all things. So the command then is, Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them will alike be good. Do it. Don't be lazy. Don't be idle. Don't be slothful. Do your work. Do your work as you're able to do while you're able to do it. And then listen to this, this next statement that he's making here about not being slothful, of course, we're enjoying our work. You're really enjoying life. The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. 
Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. What's he saying there? The light is pleasant. It is good for the eyes to see the sun. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. If you should live many years, rejoice in all of it. In all the days that you've been given. It's no different what Solomon is saying than what Paul says in Philippians or the call to rejoice in the Lord and, or even Jesus talking about the joy that he gives to his people and the peace that he gives to his people. Solomon's reiterating some of these, these truths that we will find later. Enjoy life. Enjoy the time that you've been given. Again, we can be some of the most miserable people because every little thing we want to complain about because it, it bothers us in some way. It's like, do we really want to die on that hill? Do we really want to just have the little things in life bother us so bad that we, that we can't even enjoy anything? What kind of life is that? That's a miserable existence. Well, this went wrong today. That went wrong today. I don't have this. I should have that. It's out of my reach at the moment. Okay. So what things do you have? You have, a, you have life. You have breath. You have people around you that care for you. You don't have to constantly critique every little thing going on. Because there's always going to be difficult things always there's always something that we could complain about but whether or not we're going to allow ourselves to complain about it or just say "Eh, some things are just out of our hands but I'm able to have another day as the psalmist said this is the day that you have made let us rejoice and be glad in it so here's, here's another question that we need to, to have some reflection on is, how often do we enjoy the day? Granted, even at work, there are days that are stressful. There are days in which we have to really gather ourselves back because of maybe something that has occurred. But the entire day don't have to be ruined because of something that happened at this particular time of the day. There are going to be dark days, yes. There's going to be times in which we experience pain and we experience suffering. There's going to be times in which our loved ones are going to pass on and we're going to be part of those who mourn in the streets. Those days are going to be there. But we can also have the days in which we say, thank you that I'm alive. That is a very interesting thing to say, though, isn't it? Because we recognize that in the day that we die, we get to go home and be with the Lord. There's so much to look forward to there, yes, absolutely. But still, we can thank God for every day that we are here. Because we're able to enjoy the people that he's placed in our life, to love, to shine forth the light of Christ while we have opportunity. There are things that we thank God for every day. Thank you for allowing me to live. And so, Lord, help me in order to be a good influence, maybe on this person before I go. Let me demonstrate to others the joy that I have in you, that they can see it, so that when I leave, and you do call me home. That perhaps that might be a seed that was planted or a seed that was watered. Perhaps you'll give the increase using me as an instrument in your hand. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in which I'm, I'm privileged once again to, to experience the love of those around me and to love them. Thank you. There are so many things that we can be thankful for every day. 
It don't have to be a miserable existence. It don't. It doesn't have to be uh, every day being constantly in despair or in sorrow. You have so many things in your life that you can be thankful for. Well, I, you don't. You don't know my life. I don't. But I know the one who gave you life is the same one who gave me life. And I know that the joy that he gives is for all of his people and not just some of his people. There is joy to be experienced by all the people of God if we can take our eyes off of ourselves and off the little things that we allow to fester and cause us to lose joy when we could have enjoyed the day that God has given Rejoice, young man. That's his, that's his exhortation there. Rejoice. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Now, is he saying just do whatever you want? Live however you want? No. No, not in light of everything that he's been saying. In fact, when I was reading this, I was reminded of something that Dr. MacArthur had said, and you probably heard it too if you listened to that particular question and answer session. He said, I don't have any red light that goes off to let me know that this is God's will for my life. I don't have any decision that I make. There's not something that happens that I know, oh, that's the right course of action. Line up your life with Scripture. This is the key. Line up your life with Scripture and do what you want. Now, how does that work? Because when we line up our lives with Scripture, our commitment is to Christ and our commitment is to glorify Christ. And therefore, the, the, the desires that come, that come from the Holy Spirit of God, of serving Christ, of living for Christ, of doing for Christ, of enjoying what God has given, we're doing what we want because it's consistent with the holy nature that God has given Line up your life with Scripture and do what you want. That's what Solomon's saying. He's not just saying do whatever your heart desires to do in the, sense of, uh, in the same sense that we find people saying today, just follow your heart. Well, unless your heart is desirous to follow Scripture, don't do that. Because you're going to be led into error. Line up your life with Scripture and your heart with Scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the key. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body, because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remove the sorrow from your heart. Remove the pain from your heart. And enjoy what God has given. After he says, follow the impulses of your heart, the desires of your eyes, and yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Again, he's not saying, do what you want, live it up, but remember this. You're going to have to be accountable to that. If what Solomon is saying is to remember your creator and remember the Lord, enjoy the things that God has given, work hard, viewing it as a blessing of God, then what he is referring to is not a judgment in the sense of, of a judge towards rebels. But think of other passages of Scripture. Let us do good while we have opportunity, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow, grow weary. Some of the difficulties that we find in life... And we're still enjoying life. We're striving to enjoy life. That when we stand before the Lord, there's going to be even greater things. This life has some pain to it. It has some sorrow to it. But you can still enjoy it. But look forward to what is yet to come. So remove the grief. Remove the anger from your heart. Remove the sorrow. You will reap in due time. Be rich towards God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Enjoy the time that God has given and don't be bitter towards the time that God has given you or bitter towards the blessings that God has given you. But be thankful. Be thankful for all that God has given you. 
Be thankful. Are you thankful? In light of in light of what life could be like, even in light of some things that may come, you have so much that you enjoy now. You have the ability to do so much right now. Just to enjoy the little things. My family and I, the other night for mom's birthday, we, we went bowling. Bowling is fun, especially when you've got a very competitive family. But it's fun. Some kind of an activity like that is, is enjoyable. It's nice because you're around people that you love, people that you enjoy being around. You're enjoying the time that God has given you together. You're enjoying rolling a heavy ball to hit some pins. So many things that you can enjoy. You don't have to live a life of grief and of sorrow, especially us here in America. We have it made over here. We can't claim the same things that some of our brothers and sisters in China and other places do. We have it pretty easy here as far as any persecutions and various things like that, mostly slanders. That's all it is, really, as of right now. So it isn't much. So there's still much to enjoy. Every day. Every day that you're able to get up out of the bed, you ought to say, thank you, Lord, that I have another day. Thank you, Lord, that you placed these people in my life. Thank you for this job. Thank you for the influence that I'm able to have on others I mean, who am I? Thank you for using me as an instrument. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Are you bitter? I pray that we would heed the words of Solomon here because life is but a breath. And if you live that way, when you could be enjoying the people around you, eventually they may be gone. And then you may be without. And then you're going to be regretful of the time that you didn't spend enjoying life with them. So enjoy it now. Or perhaps even those that are left here after you leave. Because of the, how miserable that you were or bitter or whatever. And then the people around you thinking, I wish things could have been a little different. Because I would have really enjoyed to have been around them much more than that. There are things that, you know, <clears throat> with my dad, for example, there are things that I would have loved to have uh, been able to share and to talk about with my dad. But I wasn't converted until maybe just a few months before he died. And while I had a good relationship with my dad... I didn't get to experience that, that part with him. I didn't get to, to share with him, uh, you know, the sovereignty of God and, you know, convert him before he went. You know, it's interesting. My dad was part of a quartet with my uncles, and one of the songs that they used to sing was uh, a song called Handpicked. And the lyrics were, oh, child, you've been handpicked by the king of love. And, and you think to yourself, if only you would have just dug a little bit deeper in that. But there are things that I would have loved to have been, you know, talked with him about and fellowshiped with him about. But there, there are times in which people are gone before you know it. And the things that you wanted to do, you're not able to. And while we had a good relationship, how much more difficult would it have been if I would have only concentrated on me, been so self-absorbed that I didn't enjoy the time with him that I had 
before you went. Or vice versa, if he'd have been that way. Life is but a, a fleeting breath. It's a sigh too brief to measure. Don't waste your time that God has given you. Being sorrowful and miserable with much grief. Complaining about everything. But rather, be thankful. Be thankful for the time that you have. Be thankful for the people that you have. Be thankful for the abilities that you have now and what you're privileged to do as far as a means of working and enjoy your life in Christ. I pray that we would all heed that, um, that encouragement by Solomon. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for our time together. Father, we, we all need help every day. We need to be reminded every day of how great and that you are, how gracious that you are, how loving that you are. To be reminded and to be able to, to open, have our eyes opened every day to see the blessings that you lavish on us, as your word says. That in Christ you have lavished on us the riches of your grace. You provide all of our needs to continue our existence here and so much more. Father, let us be thankful. Help us to be thankful. Convict us when we're not thankful. That we would lift our eyes to you and say, forgive me, Lord, for not being appreciative. Thank you for what you've given. I pray that the Spirit of God would do a mighty work in all of us to bring us to that state of mind. Father, be glorified in us. Be glorified in your people. Let Christ be magnified in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said, Amen. Thank you for your attention. You are dismissed.